Ji-hun Kim, Geraldine Brady, Andrea Braden, Sohee Chung, Chul Min Eddie Kang, Mary Elizabeth Betty Forsyth, Butis Renuka Amar Singh, Dorothy Sewell, Munir, Abdu Habib Najjar, Anne-Marie D'Amico. My name is Kareem Kanji, and in the co-host chair for this special episode of the Toronto Podcast is Greg Tilston, and we're also joined by our friends Hesse Jones and Lori Dylan Schalk. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. The names off the top were victims of a uh, horrific event this uh, past week, April 23rd. Thank you for starting it that way, by the way. You're welcome. I, I was I was thinking that would be the uh, the appropriate thing to do, so I'm glad you you did that. Thanks. Um, as everyone knows, and I, I always sort of have to put this out there, we're, we're we're not necessarily professionals in broadcasting, in podcasting, in any casting, um, but we thought that discussing what happened on April 23rd and what has happened since. Uh, was a topic that we should discuss, um, seeing that uh, Greg and I have this Toronto project uh, going on. Uh, in fact, we were supposed to use mm-hmm. this date to specifically um, have a debate about uh, crime and safety uh, in Toronto, and we felt that uh, uh, recent events uh, overshadowed uh, that at the, at the present time. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we discussed it, Really, I think it was Monday night. Shortly thereafter, you know, it's 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 not the time to debate, and you know, hopefully, when we do the other episodes, there's going to be a little bit of fun banter back and forth, as there was in the first uh, episode that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think this is the time to you know, take a look at uh, you know what happened, how we all dealt with it, mm-hmm. um, recognize the anomaly of it. I think. Yeah. Um, because if we talk about safety in the city, we're going to talk overall where this was really was an anomaly. So I think so. I think so. Um, I, I want to start off this way. Um, when you, so I'll, I'll start off when I first heard about this event happening, um, I'm at work. Um, I can't remember what day it was a Monday. It was a Monday. It was a Monday. It was a Monday. Yep. Um, and I, yeah. And, and just after lunch around lunch uh i always have uh twitter opened um on my computer and i started seeing that there's this i I don't remember the exact words but this accident uh van has run over a number of people people have been hurt there might be casualties um and the thing that went through my head was holy crap i hope everyone is okay that was it, you know, um, and, and and obviously there were some other tweets from certain individuals uh, that will go through that subsequently tweeted soon after that um, that really got my blood boiling. But you know that that's we'll we'll talk about that in in, in a bit. But yeah. uh, Greg, you know what? How did you hear about what? So happened? I was in the office, and it was actually our U.S. partner. Um, he texted me and said, "What's happening up there? Everybody's safe and sound." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the hell are you talking about? And and he said the attack that's happened. And I was I was quite taken aback. I just I had no idea what he was talking about. And I jumped on. It was it was it was uh, pretty startling because I guess 
probably by the time I started finding out about it, it was fairly, you know, fairly far into it okay. in terms of the information that they knew. Ah. Um, at which point then I started texting my wife, Kel, and, and you know, even my kids. Now, not that my kids are in Toronto, but just, mm-hmm. you know, and I know I, I do want to talk about sort of, you know, how we talk to kids a little bit later on in this, this episode. But, um, yeah, and as the day went on, it was, it was quite interesting. Not interesting. Interesting is not the right word. Uh, you know, certainly... You know the, the the feelings that you feel, and 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 then you know a couple of days into it, and um, you know I know somebody had said that you know we all know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody uh, that you know was impacted by this, and you know at the time I thought well you know how how much is that really going to be not the truth, but you know how true is that statement going to be? Mm-hmm. And then as you and I talked about a couple of days later, I realized that that you know I I knew Anne Marie's mom. Yeah. Um, I knew Anne Marie when she was little. Not that I knew her well, so I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, professing that. And it's certainly way more about, you know, Carmela and and their family. But uh, no, it was just it was just shocking to realize that I was that close to what, um, uh, really that close to somebody in there. So um, that was sort of mine. Uh, Hesse, do you, how about? Well, when I when I watch TV <laughs> these days, um, I have CNN in the background, partly because of the the drama that's happening south of the border. And when I heard about what happened in Toronto on CNN, I knew something must have been up because for something something like this to happen to actually make uh, make a dent in the US airwaves, it, it, it's shocking. Um, it, you know, even for the first couple hours when they're bringing in reports about the number of people that that were hurt. We still didn't even know at that point how many people had had actually died. It it didn't even sink in to me that it was it was I don't know if it to me real or even was it was it worrisome. I think part of it was because we didn't have enough information. So I thought, well, a van hit people, maybe they're okay. I didn't know how many. And so I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. It wasn't until much later when I realized how many people had actually died. That's when it, it really sunk in. And, you know, I, I don't know why I would have thought at that point that it, I'm not worried. I'm not worried, you know, a few casualties. Or I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. And mm-hmm. it, I'm almost ashamed to say that sometimes you pay attention when there's more, when there's more people that are hurt or whatever. But because you see once in a while, you know, the, the, the people that are hurt in Toronto because of um, any kind of, it's either domestic violence or it's, it, it's a car crash or whatever. It was something to be expected, but the gravity of, hmm. gravity of it didn't hit me until much later when I realized how, how awful it really was. Laurie? My experience is a lot like yours, Greg. Um, I was at work, and I work in advertising, and I'd say most of us are always plugged in. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a definite ripple at the agency that something had happened. Um, I was in a meeting at, a t- at the time, uh, but I did notice uh, quite quickly I had a U.S. client that reached out, uh, concern for my welfare, concern for the welfare of, of folks at the agency. Hmm. Uh, and uh, um, that was my clue that uh, you know I needed to stop and see 
um, what was going on in Toronto and that there was some, indeed something quite serious. Yeah. So for, for those people um, that don't know the area um, outside of, you know, it's on the news, it's uh, Young Shepherd, Young Finch. <clears throat> so Young and Finch, um, you know, there's some office towers on the north uh, west corner, on the northeast corner, you've got uh, Finch Subway Station, um, and then you've got almost this um, uh, suburban look and feel of the streetscape, where you've got these uh, these stores, these these uh, these enterprises, um, you know, north of there as well as south of there, um, and then you you know you travel south and you've got this development. Uh, Mel Lastman Square. Public space. Is there? Yeah, it's a public space there. Um, my wife and our first concert was was in that in that public space. Mm. Uh, Cosmere has taken swimming lessons multiple multiple times um, in, in in near near that space. Um, we've gone to the library multiple times, or we've been to many mm. uh, public events mm. uh, there as well. Um, and on the opposite side of that. Uh, and there's a subway station, North York City Center subway station, is there on the opposite side. You've got movie theaters, you've got um, grocery shopping, um, you've got restaurants there. I, I think there's a Scotia Bank uh, that's there. Further south, on, on the west side, you've got uh, the Toronto Arts Center, uh, yep. where Casimir, my son, performs twice a year. Um, he's there. You've got some new condo developments on on both sides. Um, you can you can really describe it as sort of the city center of North Toronto. Like yeah. it's a large built-up, um, yeah. I would say Times Square, but like Dundas Square of North Toronto. Of North Toronto, and 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 so you know, back in the day before there was amalgamation, it it was Mel Lastman had this dream of this is going to be the downtown of North York, yep. Yep. and and so there's a lot of built-up uh, infrastructure um, in that area, and and there's a lot of um, there's a there's a, a Persian cluster that that sort of is huddled around there as well as north um, of there as well as a Korean cluster. So you'll see the various stores, Korean stores and Persian stores, um, real estate agents, both Persian and Korean around that area as well. So that sort of, you know, paints a little picture of, of what the neighborhood um, looks like and what's going on in, in, in that neighborhood. And it's a busy happening place for business. I mean, you've got mm -hmm. TDSB has a lot of offices That's right. up there. Yeah, there's a lot um, of government buildings. There's a lot of people working there. Finance. In that area. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so we hear about this and you know, it was interesting, Greg, you, you talked about sort of your your reaction, even Hester yourself and it was like, yeah, it's a, it's another thing. And I think, Greg, you and I spoke about this on the phone once. Um, you know, to, to me, it... it, it it was an, it was it was a another you know my first thoughts again was it, it was another just an accident that happens and it was interesting you know I, I go on to read this tweet by uh, by Lori Goldstein anyway, um, who's a potential guest he's actually the father of the of one of the lead singers of July talk um, the, the female um, and and so this is what he said trying to please see up to 10 to Eight to ten pedestrians struck by a white van near Young and Finch, around 1.30, local road and T2C closures in area uh, effect. Cause of accident unclear. In today's world, I think we all know what we're thinking it could be. Let's hope it isn't. That's his, that's his, that's his tweet. Now, I don't know, um, and I'll say, to, I've, I've spoken with Lori before, not about this. Um, and he knows what I think about 
Toronto Sun columnist. I don't know whether I would call him a journalist. Um, but I asked him. Ice cream truck driver had too much sugar. Leafs fan angry. Rap fans gone mad. Kid who didn't pass his driving test. Postal worker gone postal. Someone had a heart attack or stroke while driving. What are we all thinking, Lori? Let's hope it isn't. To be honest with you, when what? I first saw your tweet, I, mm. I was wondering what you were on mm. because I didn't I didn't put into context of. I read Lori's tweet. Yeah. After I read your tweet, and I yeah. still didn't put into context. As soon as I did, I mm. realized what you were where you were going with that. Yeah. And you know, I think you saw that a lot in the media, the media jumping on it and wanting it to be. They not want, wanting it to be. No, no, you know, I, th- I, I think you're right. I think they wanted it to be something that they could identify. Like, we, we need, um, you know, there's songs. I need a hero, right? Uh, there's songs about heroes. There's movies where there's heroes and villains. And it seems the media. I don't care if it's right or left. I don't care. They want a hero and they want a villain, right? So this police officer who, in my opinion, was doing his job, is branded as a hero just for doing his job. This driver, they're trying, they, they want, you know, who is he? What's his background? What is he about? What's his story? Because they, they need they need a villain. They need, they need someone to blame. And it's easier for them, the media, to not have to do any work at all and just say, he's this, he's that. Is it because, and what one of the first things they hopped on was, where's he from? What was his background? Oh, yeah. Right? Is that is that what your, his intent was? Was to say was this a terrorist act? I want Lori to tell me that, right? But there are other journalists. Or sorry, there are other people from the media, who, you know, did make an identification. So there was this CBC reporter. Um. I don't have her her tweets up, up up right now, but you know she gave she gave these quote unquote witness accounts. One witness said someone who looked Arab, I think, um, and then she tweeted again. One witness said it was a white man. Well, interestingly enough, the one that said Arab got the most retweets, the most screen captures, the most talked about thing, um, all over the place, rather than another one. And and so again, it's it's this whole idea of the media needing to have an answer before waiting for an answer or before doing any research for an answer. But I don't think it's just the media. I mean, I mean, as soon as I learned about it, I jumped on to Twitter to find out what was going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was sickened by what people were saying, not the media, just people were saying on Twitter, mm-hmm. what Americans were saying about Toronto because they were trying to jump on something. It just... You, you you're gonna have a uh, you're gonna have a villain. There's a villain in this. There absolutely, is a villain in this. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. They, they people are trying to trying to direct what that villain is before we know what the villain is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't even think it was just the media. I think it was people. Sometimes I think that that's the reason why the police had to act fast in identifying what his motive was. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to just to get that out of the way, because the first thing it, it didn't take long. I think less than twenty four hours to say he has no ties to terrorist organizations, right? And um, and it, then it's interesting though that that even needs to be is something. It doesn't need to be, but I think today that's that's the 
that's the, that's a discussion that we're having globally and it it doesn't help that our friends down south you know continuously create that divisive environment by hmm. by perpetuating that narrative and i think it's also the the no, i was gonna say the vehicle that's that's bad choice of words i think it's the, the manner manner in which he acted mm -hmm. um, right now is has been related often to terrorist activities i'm not trying to justify anybody jumping on that quickly i'm just saying that you know that could be why they here's here's yeah. something that i read a more relevant point may be the fact that manassian who is the um uh, who's the perpetrator? Can is we just call him the perpetrator? Perpetrator is a male. Can we, let's go from this point yeah, forward, yeah, please. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, according to a study by Columbia University forensic psychiatrist Michael Stone, of 235 mass murders in the United States between 1913 and 2015, involving four or more deaths, 96% were perpetuated by men. So it's a it's a man problem. Yeah, I think but that's... is that a hero enough? I mean, sorry, is that a villain enough? You have to get get deeper into the man problem because obviously sure. there were there were there were mental um, issues there, right? And um, it's been it's been validated by people that he worked with or went to school with. I believe he was a student as well, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's, yeah, the one thing that I guess, you know, to, to sum up this part of it is, and you're right, Greg, you know, there were, there were people that were jumping on various bandwagons, but I think, you know, people don't necessarily come to judge, come to judgment or rush to judgment without a foundation. And I think there's, I think that media is culpable in, in a lot of, uh, obviously not in the attack itself. But it's coupled in, in 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 the way that a lot of people uh, chose to react instantly to the event. Yep. yep. Um, you know, but if we if we sort of now take a step back from that in terms of what we are learning about uh, Alec, who he was, the perpetrator. yeah. Um, who he was, what he thought, um, the type of individual that that he was. There's there's a couple of there's a couple of stories that came out, and one is gathering more steam than the other. The first uh, was that um, he had a condition. I'm trying to remember what it was. I, I didn't write it, it was down. It's called incel. No, that's that's the second thing. Oh, the second. That's okay. the second thing. That right? But there was was it autism? Autism. There okay. was there was talk about him being on the spectrum in some way i don't know yeah yeah so yeah. so there there was there was that that hasn't doesn't seem to have gathered any steam in terms of because we we only know what we know by them from the media right um and so the media hasn't jumped on that as much there there was a uh apparently there was i heard a story about somebody um saying that people with autism or on that particular side of the spectrum don't exhibit these types of violent tendencies um, that, that uh, Alec does, uh, did. Um, and the other story is um, this whole idea of incel, involuntary celibate. 
aren't we still just trying to understand what's going on? Like, I mean, so I, I do know some folks. Um, I belong to a group um, that talks about Asperger's and autism. Oh. And, uh, you know, their comments were, you know, once again, we have to explain that this is not related. Yeah. You know, and everybody's trying to bucket the perpetrator in 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 a way that helps us understand something that's really hard to understand mm-hmm. and 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 uh it is an anomaly as you said yeah it's it's very unusual is is so let me ask you this is it um so this whole idea of him hating women because he can't get women for you know this 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 idea yeah. um, voluntary yeah celibacy is 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 this a thing is it a thing well, <laughs> is it a thing? I never. Heard yeah, I have I, never heard. Of I learned about that on Monday night or whatever Tuesday. I, I, yeah, I, I, it must have been Tuesday when we started learning about it. I, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I, I thought I'm a pretty educated guy. Yeah, apparently not. Like, like is like I, I never I, heard of it. I can understand someone like myself when I was in high school. I said, this is your I'll get a girlfriend. This is your I get a girlfriend. But like to to like. Is this a thing that you don't get a girlfriend now? You you want to kill people? Well, I mean, there there were some articles being shared, and and the incel community apparently, like on 4chan, and I, I know Reddit took down some of their channels, but there are still some channels active. And and th- these these guys in this community were applauding what he did. Really? Oh, it was it was I, I was I was sickened when I read it. I, I was just like. You know, it was it was unbelievable. These guys were applauding what he did. They were, you know, calling on more attacks. Mm-hmm. They were calling on worse attacks. Yeah. You know, they said, oh, you know, vehicles are just, they're just, uh, you know, that's the, every, the, every, the, the terrorists are doing that, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, they're doing that. We need to start poisoning stuff, poisoning water systems, poisoning restaurants. I'm like, what the hell? Like, like I was... I, I got a real fast lesson in what this collective thought seems to think just from seeing these few articles about the, their chats on 4chan. And it was just, oh, anyway, I'm just, I was aghast. No, I, I'd like to ask you, so exactly what is the mindset that's perpetrated in the forums when they talk about their condition? They want to, they want to kill, they want to kill the 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 they want to kill the women because they can't date them and they want to kill and I'm going to use the word cucks the husbands or the boyfriends of the women um because all we are you and I KK and I are is you know cucks to our women who they hate i guess it's like we joked about the one time when that guy down in the US i think it was or whatever called me every name under the sun mm. Um, when I was baiting him about Donald Trump, because yeah. apparently when I'm in an airport and I've got time, I troll trolls on Twitter. Apparently, but anyway. So the guy called me everything, including you know a cuck, because I was staying behind Kelly. And and when I learned about this incel thing, and I'm not, I have no idea if this guy was part of this movement, but I all of a sudden had insight into what I this pissing match I got in on Twitter a month ago with this guy. That like I, I couldn't I couldn't understand his thought pattern that because I was standing behind Kelly. That a photo. I was I was I was hmm. uh, um, whatever to submissive to her. 
submissive to her. That's probably the best way to describe it. Um, for anybody that doesn't know what the term cuck means. Um, cuckold, yep. Uh, so yeah, so so I, I really got an insight into the conversation I had a month ago that I really didn't I didn't put it together until I learned about this guy. Yeah, sorry. It was just. What I mean, what do you two think, Laurie Hesse, about this? I guess it's not an idea. There are people, there are men out there that hate women. Um, Alex seemed to be someone that hated women. The bigger story. I mean, or the the. I mean, what are your your thoughts on on the bigger issue here? Um, so this is Lori, not the same Lori as you were mentioning on Twitter. Um, Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no confusion. Um, Fair. Hey, I, I was in an abusive relationship once, oh. my first one in university, and it was insane. There's no logic to it. Um, this is a fellow that you bought me two clothes that were two sizes too big and lingerie two sizes too small. Like it was insane. Um, so I know those people exist. I know that they're, I, I don't see them as a community. I, I see each one as a terrible aberration. Um, I mean, obviously I, we, I could, I would have a, a lot more to say on the subject, but I think there's a lot of people that need help out there that, that, you know, need mental health help, and and this perpetrator yep. clearly not that I am sympathizing with with him at all. I'm not. Um, he needs help, and there's there's more like him. He's not in that way. He is not an aberration. Hmm. There's there's people on both sides, men and women, that are a bit crazy. What do you What do you say to your 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 children generally, but your uh, daughter specifically? Like what do you t what do you talk to her about? Um, my daughter. So this is interesting. I know we're going to talk uh, about how we talk to our kids. Um, my daughter. It was very important for me to take her to the women's march. Um, mm. You know, when after Trump was elected, and uh, she came with me kicking and screaming. And I think one of the things I said to her because she she didn't understand the gravity of it. I said as long as we stay twenty minutes. That's all I'm asking. We're going to go all this way. And I want you to see that we stand together, that that we are part of something. And this is bigger. And we're going to go and we're going to read people's signs and we're going to listen to speeches and then we can go home. And and sometimes it's a lot like eating your vegetables. As long as I get the vegetables in over the week, not necessarily in the day, I'm trying to work with my daughter in a way that that she she values the same thing I do mm. and sees that you know we're all in this together Hesse what do, you, what do you say to your daughter I don't really have to say much to her because she's um, she's the type of person that that's always been kind of the defender of the weak um, she's always had an opinion about things and um, you know the minute somebody gets bullied she would she would stand up for them and then she would she would bully the bully um, so when things like like Parkland came up or or um, or you know Trump like she Trump is on her on her feed she has an opinion about everything that he says and when she found out about this guy um, this perpetrator in Toronto she said oh poor guy 
you know, he must, he must really hate women, but maybe there's something that we can do to help him. Hmm. I think the, the one thing hmm. about the kids is that, and I'm not, I'm not saying all kids are like this, but there's a certain, there's a certain aura about them where they look at things um, in a wider angle than some, some adults do because they don't have the same biases and perspectives that we have and the same hate. They don't have hate. They just want to try to understand. And so until they feel hate themselves, they don't, at least from my daughter's perspective, she tries not to judge. But the more she she gets validated on her beliefs that somebody is trying to manipulate women or trying to trying to suppress them, then she will stand up. And I don't, I'm, I'm happy to say, I don't have to say anything about that. And, um, she just she just wants to be there and and create that voice for whoever needs it. Mm. So. Greg, your your kids are older. They are. Um, are you calling me old? Yeah. Okay. What do you What do you say to your kids? Like, do you like? I don't know. Like, about about, <clears throat> about shit like this. Yeah, it was. Um, first of all, we all check in. Mm-hmm. Um. Everybody checks in to make sure you know. See everybody's feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, my son was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, was talking about, you know, how shitty things are. He's like, this is, you know, really shitty and this is really bad. And I said, yeah, it is pretty bad. I think this was Tuesday night. I think it was Monday night. No, it would have been whatever night I found out about uh, Anne Marie. And because um, we were talking about her. And, uh, and, um, you know, it, it, the discussion was about how shitty things are and how bad things are happening. And and I, I, I actually put my head down on the pillow to go to sleep. And then I, I woke, not woke up, but I got up and I grabbed my phone and I texted my kids back and I said, but let's remember, you know, there are a million things great happening in the world versus this one mm. horrible event. Sure. So I think that's the thing for my kids that are older that I'm trying to... to, to, to reinforce yeah that, that there's a lot of good in the world yeah you can you can wallow in the bad and there there's there's time to analyze and be upset and be mad and frustrated and all the emotions <clears throat> but you have to always keep in mind that there's way more good in the world than there is these anomalies these horrible horrible events huh um yeah I, I, i'd be interested to know though i mean sort of dovetailing off that how you guys we talked about your, your your daughters, but you know, how did the question for you, KK? How did how did you talk to Kashmir about the event? Because I know for me personally, it's very different when my kids are adults. Mm. But I remember nine eleven. That's when I had to talk to my kids about something like this, and that was that was a real anomaly, particularly for North America. Like we didn't, you know, we didn't really have that. We're starting to see it more and more. You and I talked about apathy, and not saying that we had apathy, but the discussion was about our feelings of yeah apathy, uh, not our feelings of apathy the the feelings of apathy and then how do you how do you talk to Kashmir about that hmm. not the apathy but the the event that happened you know what i i don't know whether we did talk about it hmm. yeah so you know it, it's and, and so the way i reacted was very inter- it was was interesting it was i need to get out of this because i work at Young in York Mills, which is just south of the highway, just south of where all of this has happened. So streets are blocked off. 
subways are blocked off, so I had to figure out how to get from where I was working down to the uh, southeast end of Scarborough to pick him up from choir and then trek back into West Scarborough uh, to go to a Cub Scout meeting um, all within an hour. Um, and, and so one of the things that you and I spoke about, Greg, was, yes, this happened in, in Toronto, in our city, but every day this, not every day things like this happen all around the world. Um, and, you know, I, I look at things, I, I tend to sometimes look at things uh, globally. And, you know, something like this is is as worse, if not as worse, as, as something that happened on the other side of the world that has affected as many people or as many families. Um, and so to me, it was, it, it was another thing in the news that has another terrible thing uh, that has happened that didn't need to have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but did I speak to Cosmos specifically um, about this? Uh, no. I think it would have been different if Minaz was in town. She just happens to be out of town. Um, but yeah, it's it's mm. not something that... Because him and I don't watch the news um, and haven't actually for the past two weeks haven't even listened to um, CBC in the morning. Did he discuss anything about talking about it at school with you or no did you talk about Humboldt I I, a little bit I think yeah more of like do you know what happened yeah Yeah, it was more of a know it happened there was we've I've never and maybe it's just my relationship with him versus the way how Minaz discusses these things but a lot of these big things we don't like we don't we don't watch CNN at home. We don't watch CBC News at home. We don't, the news isn't on. Yeah, it's um, it's folk. You know, our conversations are about school or is, is about the stuff that we do as a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean that's yeah. us. But yeah. well, it's, sometimes I feel I just have to get ahead of the school because um, you know mm-hmm. they do have these conversations at school. Mm-hmm. Not not child to child. Like my kids are ten and thirteen. Um, but I, f- I do find our school system is pretty responsible in, in having some of these conversations. Um, in our family, I mean, we're still grieving over Humboldt, um, which is why huh. uh, what happened uh, you know, in Toronto was, was just really um, not prepared for that because we were still having the conversation and we were putting our porch light on and putting out our hockey stick and and together, mm. like, recognizing um, the tragedy that happened in Alberta. Yeah, the way that we... Saskatchewan. So, yeah, I, I do remember, we did have this car, we did have a conversation about Humboldt, only because of, of the idea of a school bus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, because the next day, and I spoke to Kazmer about this, that's right. The next day, he had to get on a bus to go to... St. Catharines, Niagara for a choir performance. And so I told him, I said, you know, we talked about what had happened in Saskatchewan. And I told him, can you imagine, you know, and so we talked about mom having to, because I was, I was at a camp, I think. Um, Mom had to drop him to the bus the day after it happened 
and for him to get on the bus and go and come back at 10.30 at night, right? So we, we, we talked about this stuff, and we talked about, you know, we, we just talked about stuff because there's stuff, things that you can control and things you can't control. So I said, you know, you got when you're in a bus, there's a way you behave, and you be just be safe. Don't be rowdy. Just, you know, so we, we talked about stuff like that. We don't have any connection to hockey we don't have we don't have a connection to traveling for sports and things like that necessarily um, but their school bus is something that Cosmo takes the bus today you know every day to, to, to get to school so there's this idea of having to of, of parents um, dropping their kids somewhere and the kids traveling and going somewhere whether it's a short distance or whether it's a long distance but yeah it's it's interesting because from from you know from my growing up i think we talked about this when i lived Mm -hmm. out in whitby um i went to school with all the guys that played for the oshawa generals so the bus the, the 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 buds who took the bus was a big big part of it yeah that was a big part of our childhood yeah not that i was part of that because i didn't yeah can't skate to save my life but yeah um, you know, all my buds who played for the generals were doing that. So uh, that was a big part. I, I kind of want to go back to your question about apathy. Um, because I think a lot of us in North America were, were we should be grateful and that we don't have the kind of, um, we don't live in the kind of violent societies that, that happen all over the world. And, and then when we, I mean, I don't know how many of you saw CBC or BBC and um, the the bombing that happened in Afghanistan where nine journalists were killed. Now, had those nine journalists not, um, had it not been nine journalists and 10 other civilians, would it have made the news? That's the issue that I see is that when you live in these war-torn countries and it's commonplace to, to see family and friends and your population die or or suffer every day it's not news because it's just the way it is but you know when these mass you know tragedies happen that's the only thing that makes the news but then when it's like one guy getting hit by a car here and there or some guy dying because of a shooting it's just one guy but what people don't realize is that every single one of these stories adds up to, you know, you know, a number. And that number ends up being so big at the, at the end of the year. I mean, Toronto tracks the number of people that get killed uh, by cars, by, by guns, by knives, etc. And, you know, we don't pay attention anymore. We only pay attention to the big stuff. And I don't understand why. Your your thoughts on this um, this cop who um, who caught Alec, handcuffed him and took him away. Your your thoughts on the sort of hero worship that he received from the media generally and from people generally. Well, my dad was an RCMP officer for mm. thirty two years. My uncle was a cop. Yeah, so. I think in our jobs, we all do heroic things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it was part of his job, but it's not how the cops responded with Sammy and team. No. Right? And, and, and I say cops. I, I should correct myself. One individual 
didn't respond that way and I, I don't mean to paint a brush I could not under that pressure I don't know what I would do yeah. I certainly I don't think I would have responded as calmly as as that individual um, my first reaction was a pride that he did not shoot the perpetrator I was very happy mm. and then I saw everybody's reaction so yeah. um, he, I am proud um, I don't like calling anybody heroes because I think we all have her heroic actions, but I certainly was very, very proud. Yeah, I mean, gun violence is, I mean, it's a, it's a main topic um, everywhere. And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know enough about how our law enforcement, how they're trained versus how the, you, how, how other cops in other countries are trained but to be in that situation like Lori said you know training is one thing but to to have the discipline to think logically and think straight about what you need to do and to make sure and maybe not even to make sure just to just to figure out whether or not you know your perceptions are right and that you know that is a cell phone and not a gun you know that ways in you're the only one that has to make that decision and he did it and he made the right one but what if he didn't what if it was a gun right um nobody knows all, all you can do is is thank god that he made the right one but yeah. it could have easily turned you know the other way it, it could have i'd like to think after the sammy um situation i mean hopefully this is indicative of the training that has come from mm -hmm. that. Hopefully, hopefully they're, you know, again, it's situation by situation, obviously. It's it's a cell phone versus a gun. I'm not saying that in the Sammy situation. I'm talking about this one. Um, you know, we look at the UK. We look at Australia, where the police officers don't walk around with guns. And the way they're trained to defuse a situation. Remember, Jim Jeffries did. Jim Jeffries from Australia did a, a thing for his U.S. cable show about going to the U.K. with a couple of police officers and going around with them. Um, I'd like to think that we are maybe within our training getting more like that than we are the U.S. system. I know BBC did a an article or BBC did a a segment on the U.S. media losing their shit over the Canadian police officer and saying that um, there was there was one expert who said he was obligated to shoot the person and there was another expert that said hmm. gave different scenarios and then finally said and the last thing I can guess is just he froze he froze and that was what this expert thought if it's US expert so hopefully out of Sammy situation or the Sammy situation and and others um, hopefully this is a sign of what our police officers are getting in terms of training. Knock on wood. Um, you know, there, there were, there's stories that have, that have, that have come out of the generosity of people. Um, obviously people who were on scene, uh, were doing what we hope we would do. Uh, you know, staying with people that are hurt, giving whatever assistance we can give. Um, but there's other stories, you know, whether it is people in the neighborhood, um, you know, there, there's one story of a lady who owns a flower shop just giving flowers for free. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so many stories like that. Um, 
things that I think we would we, we would expect. Where does the neighborhood go from here? Like, is is you know a, a month from today, or you know in in the heat of July and August when there are weekend festivals happening at Mel Lastman Square? Um, how how are we going to behave amongst? one another do you think not how would we like to have people behave but how do you think well does this change anything well immediately and again this is the immediateness is that a word Mm -hmm. of it um i saw a lot of people talking about their interactions with others on the ttc Hmm. the next day I saw a lot of comments about the the, the, tr- the commute on the TTC was very different because people were people were almost arguing about trying to give each other a seat. Huh. So, um, again, that was the immediate reaction. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to watch the memorial no. that happened on Sunday. Um, you know, it, what was amazing about that, in my opinion, is no politician spoke that I saw. It was all religious leaders and community leaders. Um, and the message was, you know, hope and to carry on. Mm. And so I'd, I'd like to think that that's, you know, that, that we can all learn a, a bit from this. I don't know how much we're going to learn, but a bit from this. And um, treat each other just a little different maybe than we did before. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's funny to me. We started this podcast talking about the reactions on Twitter and how, um, you know, we were offended by some of them. We didn't feel they were right. But the community, the neighborhood, really reacted in a way that I think is re- genuine. And as you said, the, the tribute on, on the weekend uh, was heartfelt and it wasn't political. Um, mm-hmm. So... I think the silver lining, the wonderful thing about this is the neighborhood community, the base, the grassroots reaction is still, is still human. And, um, and you know, it's not polluted by media or anything. And, and uh, um, so I take great uh, pleasure in that, 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 you know, we're, we are standing together on this. And I think, I think also in, Toronto is a very multi- multicultural city. I mean, you and I have talked about this in my travels and why mm-hmm. I love Toronto. I mean, I think that's part of what helps us have this reaction versus other cities that may have pol- polarizing reactions to this. I'd like to think so. Yeah. I think um, as well, you know, if, if we end up having a little bit more empathy to the person who perpetrated this, then you know it, it's it's a good thing because I mean everybody goes through a little bit of hell every day and people just don't realize it people mask it so for for people that went to school with him even family members that, that didn't even understand what he was going through I think we we need to be maybe a little bit more sensitized to each other if we can and um, I know it it's a hard thing because all of us go through crap every day. Everybody has shit to do. We have deadlines. We have whatever. But like I said, when people go through hell, they internalize it. And at some point they blow up. So somebody needs to be able to see 
what's going on to see whether or not even a little act of kindness will change the way uh, they end up behaving. Before I forget, I want I want to read a, a, a <coughs> excuse me a series of tweets from uh, Ritika Goel. Uh, she's a family doctor activist uh, here in Toronto. So th- this this were these were some of her thoughts. <coughs> Reflecting on the tragic events in my old neighborhood yesterday, we owe it to the families and loved ones to not make this about one disturbed individual, but to look at the systems that helped create the conditions for this to happen. It took me a while to come back to this and complete my thread, partly because I wanted to give it time and see what we would learn, partly because I knew the details didn't matter. There are always systemic issues at, pe- at play, partly because hashtag mom life. It's been a week since the Toronto attack, and now increasingly it seems the motivation may have been linked to the perpetrator considering himself an incel, involuntary celibate, one part of a growing group of men that expressed various anti-feminist and misogynist views. The ideology of these groups likely causes many to recoil in horror. The idea of calling for violence to punish the women they want to be with, the men they want to be, and the world that denies them what they see as their basic entitlement, women's bodies. But if there's one thing that my work has taught me, it is that judgment placed on individuals in our society is often a way to avoid societal culpability. At the times when we recoil, demonize, and judge, we are often avoiding the truth of how we are all implicated. This is is uncomfortable and it is very important. The question is not only in how someone could commit such an unspeakable and unthinkable act, but also in what happened before the act was committed to lead someone to that point. I see a culture of patriarchy that breeds toxic masculinity and misogyny teaching boys that women are their prizes to win to own and the conquest of whom reflects on their value as men teaching girls that this is okay and to seek out those men who seek to conquer women i see a culture of social isolation in which we are all judged as individuals despite being by definition social beings in which men and boys are denied the opportunity and spaces to share and be vulnerable and feel a sense of community with positive role models. I see a failure of our mental health system, often unable to provide people what they really need, whether crisis support, ongoing therapy, or preventative wellness care. As we take time to heal and reflect, I hope we can have the courage to apply a compassionate lens to a situation in which a young man committed heinous and unspeakable acts but not ones that occurred in a vacuum. We can all work to root out misogyny, toxic masculinity, and social isolation. We can teach young men their value is not in sexual conquest. We can allow men to feel vulnerable and provide space to do so. We can advocate for mental health care. Pointing fingers, recoiling in horror, and demonizing an individual is our understandable gut reaction. But that alone will not get us closer to the world we want to live in, where no such events occur. Let's channel this energy towards the change we need. Hashtag Toronto Strong. So that was a series of 12 tweets by Ritika Goel. Um, it's interesting because one of my 
just uh, one of my discussions on Twitter was my gut feeling of what have we done to our sons? Hmm. Um, and I, I, I really thought that was when I say we, you know, it's, it's we as society, but it's also we as parents. And, um, like, I, I don't, thankfully having two boys that are, that don't feel this way, um, I, I don't know what it takes to, to bring up a son that does feel this way. Like, I was, that, that was part of my personal conundrum when I was thinking about this. And I'm not trying to make a judgment call on the people that have sons that, that feel this way, but I just, maybe I am, but I'm, I don't mean to, I just don't get, I, I don't get what gets a son to this point, because I do believe there has to be something rooted in the upbringing to get here, no, or I lack of yeah. or lack of upbringing. Well, well that's... it's interesting when you compare the mat leaves of the U.S. and Canada, right? Uh -huh. in, in the U.S., and I, I wonder sometimes who's raising the nation's children. Um, not that that Canada is without its its issues. Yep. I, I think what you're saying worries me constantly about both kids. My, I have a son and a daughter. Um, my son is very much into YouTube, like most 10 year olds mm -hmm. and, uh, loves Nerf guns and Nerf guns. I, I believe Nerf guns are funded by the NRA. Like it is a culture of, you know, we try to call it darts and not bullets and things like that. But I, I also wonder what am I doing? Am I doing the right job? Like, you know, do I deny him what's out there? Uh, it's, it's, those are great questions to ask, Greg. I'm not sure I have an answer. Yeah, it's 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 a bit hard because you know the way our kids are being brought up. I mean, so my son has a, has um, discovered Fortnite, which is a killing game. Not to say that you know those kinds of games. Are, actually create a certain type of individual because they, they socialize they have friends it's it's to me it's a, it's a way for him to improve his dexterity <laughs> who knows he could be the tomorrow's <laughs> surgeon i don't know but you never know when you allow your kids to do certain things that you you know maybe maybe uh your gut feel says nah it's not good for them they could turn out this way they could you don't know. You do the best you can as a parent. And sometimes kids could be wired differently. And it, it's, it has nothing to do with parenting. It could be something that they were born to be. That's a question that everybody asks. But how they're parented um, absolutely has an influence. And I do, we, you do the best you can. I, I kept my son in hockey for many years so he could avoid malls. <laughs> and he could avoid smoking. Um, now, now he's out of hockey. He has a girlfriend, and he vapes, and he plays. He vapes. <laughs> he vapes. And How old is your son? He's he's turning sixteen. But it's 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 the juice. He, there's no nicotine in it, by the way. So, uh, I'm not. I'm. Not, <laughs> that's a different discussion at some point in time. But at the end <laughs> of the day, <laughs> you sorry. raise your kids to be the type of people that they are, that they he should vapes. be. And the way, the way you judge that is how they act when they're not in front of you, when they are in other people's houses. Are they respectful? 
Um, do they put their dishes away? Do they treat people with respect? And if they do that somewhere else and not in front of you, then you've done your job. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is, so, so that is preoccupies me a lot, especially with, uh, um, I, I live in the beaches, which is you know, predominantly white, and I didn't realize that when I moved there. Um, so trying to show inclusive diversity is so important to me. Um, but I, one of the things I've latched onto is stop trying to teach and just do it and bring them along. Like, so all the newcomer help that I've done and volunteering there, I just, I drag my kids along. March, women's March, drag my daughter along. So I get a lot of protest, but, um, I think it's a key thing. I, I think I, I don't know whether there's any right way to to end this um, unless anyone had some final thoughts. No. OK, so, um, you know, we talk about, you know, what happens next? How are we going to behave? And I think there will be whether it's with the election uh, coming up uh, both provincially and uh, municipally. Um, or, or whether we'll just talk about it because what has happened. Uh, I think there will be talk about what we do. How, how do we protect pedestrians in these public corridors, especially in areas where there are wide roads, where there's lots of cars, but at the same time, there's lots of public spaces. Um, and I think just something to, to think about is Jennifer Kiesmat, who was the uh, chief planner, for the city of Toronto um, ha ha had a tweet and, and I, I've seen this and Greg you've probably seen this mm -hmm. you, you've traveled yep. more than, than all of us um, so here's her tweet on wide streets the quickest way to implement streets that are safe for cyclists and pedestrians is to add a layer of on-street parking between the roadway and the cycling lane now pedestrians are safe from cars and cyclists are too um, and I've seen this in New York City uh, where it's mm -hmm. congested like crazy, but they still figure out how to make things work. And I think something like that is, is from a design perspective, just makes absolute sense. Because what are you going to do otherwise? Put fences, you know, between well, this. I mean, in, in many European cities, they are putting up large barricades and it, some are some are temporary barricades and then some are more permanent barricades mm -hmm. but that's more for like like you would do that around mel lastman square it's kind of difficult to do that along a stretch Lori, listen uh, everyone hesse Lori, greg thanks for for joining me uh thanks to everyone for listening to this special episode and uh we'll be back in a couple of weeks yeah, we will be back and we will come back to our format Yes. We were going to discuss safety, as you mentioned off the top. Yeah. We were going to do the format of one of us taking the pro side yeah. of how great Toronto is and one of us taking we'll the, still do that. the con side. Um, we will do that. We didn't for this because we just felt, you know, right now is the, the time to have a discussion around this topic. Yeah. Uh, but we will come back to safety at mm -hmm. some point and we will have a discussion. That's, it might not be next. It might be next. It might not be next. Yeah, it might not. We'll but, but just yeah. we'll, we'll come back to safety around Toronto at some point and we will have a very... Um, heated discussion that uh, Kareem will always be wrong about and I will be right but uh, we'll come back to the conversation yeah. so just for those people who want to figure this thing out we're going to talk about transportation food entertainment yep. culture 
housing, neighborhoods, parks, uh, crime and safety, a, lo a lot of topics. Um, and a lot of this will be valuable for those of you who uh, are going to vote in the next municipal elections later, I think it's six months later this year. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you.